0: If you're innovating, creating, or making a difference, this show is for you. Welcome to Over Coffee, I'm Doc Cannon. Here on Over Coffee, we talk with artists and innovators about the process of changing the world in terms of what they do
1: there will be more change to education in the next 7.5 years than there has been in the last 75 years. We take the barriers away from our thinking and brainstorming and problem solving by, let's say, going to space camp.
0: How would you go about planning an educational curriculum to be taught on Mars in the year 2030? That is the concept. Arizona State University's Shaping EDU would like to invite you to explore with them as they host their global virtual summer camp. Shaping EDU is a global community of passionate idea generators focused on the future of education. This year's global virtual summer camp is happening Tuesday, June 21st through Friday, June 23rd with the theme of Space Camp. And this is going to be a blast. Even as it generates a lot of great ideas for the future. Stephanie Pirati is the director of Shaping EDU. Stephanie, before we get to talking about this amazing soon-to-be event, Space Camp. Yes. You've described yourself as an insatiably curious change maker. What first inspired you to become that change maker?
1: Ooh, I think it was my insatiable curiosity. <laughs> I really enjoy just learning new things and really diving into stuff headfirst, but also constellation building, as we like to call it. So really connecting the right people to get all the, the appropriate voices around the table to have intelligent, meaningful discussions and to surface solutions and opportunities. So to me, that's what changemaking is all about. How did Shaping EDU first come
0: up, the Global Virtual Summer Camp?
1: Well, the Shaping EDU as a whole was formed in 2018 by our CIO Lev Gonick and Samantha Becker, who's the executive director of our creative and communications team in the university technology office. It's the longest title ever. (laughs) Uh, But they had 129 folks from around the world that were touching education in some way. Some of them were educators, some were students, some are education consultants, some are ed tech developers, but all these folks came together and really surfaced the challenges facing education and convened around 10 what they call neighborhoods and really surfaced some opportunities to make a difference. And What we do now, we've carried that to where we are and we have about 4,000 community members and we reach about 16,000 folks around the world. And what we do is we convene and we talk about just kind of the brass tacks, what's actually going on in the world of education and how we can create free resources to then share back with our community members to take to their communities of practice. And that in doing that, we foster change.
0: And those free resources include Space Camp coming up on June 21st. (laughs) What was that like for you? I'm going to brag a little bit. You are the first ever director of Shaping ADU. Correct, yes. Yes. Wow. Yeah. What was that (laughs) like, you putting that together?
1: So it's been just delightful. I've been here a year. And I think one of the fun things that we get to do is have a period of suspended disbelief. So we take the barriers away from our thinking and brainstorming and problem solving by, let's say, going to Space Camp. And by doing that, you know, we really open our minds a bit. So the first two, we do three half days for Space Camp. And the first two days we're learning about all the cool new tips, tricks, tools that are happening in the world of education and educational technology. And also looking at other countries to see what they're doing really well with their education systems. And then we go into the third day into three teams that will help us create an education system from scratch for Mars. Now, this is a theoretical activity, but what we're hoping to do is create this kind of utopian education system, right? So by doing that, we can then assess it and figure out how we, in our own communities of practice can get a little bit closer to that utopian system.
0: I'm back on what you said about how other countries are approaching education in their system. What's one thing that one other country is doing that you really wish we were doing here in the US?
1: Oh, wow. I think Finland has a great system, Norway has a great system, and you know, generally <laughs> a couple of things. One is that for kids, they do all of the work in school and don't have homework because They feel like that is a really critical time in a kid's life to go, go outside, play, be social, do things other than, you know, have your, have your nose in a book, but having that set aside time to really engage with their community, whatever that may be. And wherever that may be is really important to them in the development of kids' life. So I think that's smart, just really smart. I love that because
0: that gives them time to be kids. Yes, (laughs)
1: Yes, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Which is so important. We forget about that. But you know, and then we have folks like our friends in Australia that have been embracing micro-credentials and stack credentials and badging for years. And that's still a fairly new concept to us in the States and giving a lot of different alternative paths for education to students in Australia so that they can really thrive. And that's really what JPEV was all about, enabling lifelong learners to thrive in the digital age.
0: Micro-credentials is actually new to me too. Are we talking about several different courses and then their credentials?
1: So there's a few different ways that approaches that. We just had a mini summit in April in which we had a half day of 18 speakers that are industry leaders and came together and disseminated information about the evolution of credentials and the future of credentials and to really interesting content, which is actually on our YouTube page. Now we've, we've segmented that so you can watch various sections of it, but it's just really about rather than going for a traditional four-year degree, having alternatives to that in which you're, you're going through a skills-based learning process rather than checking the boxes of going through a four-year degree, depending on what you want to do, that may or may not be a good fit for you. But I think IT and development is really the first industry to embrace that in a meaningful way. But I can see a future in which, let's say, high school kids want to work for Apple when they graduate. So they just go directly to Apple and say, what credentials do you want me to have? And they'll say, come learn with us the Apple way, and they'll teach their future employees exactly what they need them to know. To work for Apple. And that really circumvents the traditional process. And I think that schools, education systems, higher ed systems need to partner with industry in order to create, you know, those programs and fill the voids in the marketplace.
0: What a good idea too, because when you think of university education, and I'm not knocking it, I really love what the universities are doing, but a lot of them are beyond the reach of many students
1: today, financially. Absolutely. It's a much more equitable solution. It gets kids away from a point where they're graduating with debt that they'll never pay off. There's a lot of pros to that solution. And you know, that was part of what we did at that event was explore that because I had just gone to ASUGSV in San Diego a few weeks prior to that. And we had started planning this micro-credentials mini-summit before that event. But every session that I went to at ASUGSV that had anything to do with badging or credentials or stack credentials was packed to a point where they were turning people away. So I knew we were onto something. <laughs> and I think that's one of the beautiful things about shaping EDU as well, as we can be quite nimble and pull together our community to convene around a topic that's of interest or concern to mm. them rather quickly. Let's, in
0: our imagination, imagine that we are part of that community you're pulling together on June 21st. We're going to Space Camp virtually. Yes. It's eight o'clock in the morning. you are yes. experiencing.
1: Right. <laughs> so we'll kick off the day on the 21st with a presentation from Dr. Ruben puenteterra who is one of our innovators in residence. And he's going to give a presentation about using science fiction as a metaphor, and how we can really explore the unknown in our own individual worlds by leaning into science fiction and what science fiction purpose it serves in that process. So then we'll have nine sessions that are available, and that's learning. We have three tracks. We have one focused on Education 2030, which is what do we need to do to get to those SDG 4 goals that UNESCO set by 2030? We'll also have an ed tech tools track. So we'll be looking at the new cool tools that are available to folks now and in the future. And then we'll have a track focusing on teaching and learning. So that's more about pedagogy assessment and curriculum development. So we'll do that for two days. And then on the third day, we'll design our education system for Mars.
0: Oh, how much fun will that third day be especially? (laughs) My ears perk up when you say new cool ed tools. What are some of the ones that you personally like the most?
1: Oh, goodness well on the second day we have our friends gosh we think we have a panel of about five people that are talking about xr extended reality tools and there's a lot of new cool fun things on the horizon that we'll share during that presentation and then on the first day we also have a presentation about the future of libraries and i think that's really interesting as well because libraries are absolutely relevant and will continue to be in new interesting ways and so we'll do walk through that process during that session. And then we have an event, a session on the second day also about museum schools and what are museum schools, what are they doing, and how can we utilize our museums in, in new interesting ways. What are some of the ways that you see libraries and the
0: museum schools being incorporated into the educational experience in such a way that it's going to be valid for 2030?
1: Sure. I think libraries are and will continue to be a community hub I think that Wi-Fi is accessible there to a large group of people that may not otherwise have it. So that's a very important part of their process too, but really being, again, that hub for the community to come together and and learn together. I think utilizing tools that connect the library so the resources that each of them have can be shared around the world is important as well, but um, I do think they will continue to be a really critical point in the community
0: anything that teaches the kids dream and teaches them something beyond what they see.
1: Absolutely. It's, just, it's just opening new worlds to kids. And I think that's just something that has to continue.
0: We talked about a new element that's going to be present in this year's Global Virtual Summer Camp.
1: Serious Play Studio is something we launched earlier this year. And that's really taking an approach of having a little bit of fun <laughs> while we're going through the process of either exploration or discovery or brainstorming. So there's a game component to to all of the processes that happen there. And we have a little bit of serious play in each of our events because we take our work seriously, but we don't take ourselves too seriously. I love that. What might we be
0: doing if we were there right now and we're having a session, but we're going to do some serious play too.
1: Yeah, So we actually call in all of our events for, for the last two years have been virtual, of course. <laughs> so we've had to find new cool ways to engage people while they're attending things virtually. But we'll have a few volunteers come on the virtual stage and have them play some games about connecting thoughts and creating patterns. And it's a really interesting experience and a new way to kind of break up the I don't want to say monotony, but, you know, having talking heads on a screen for extended periods of time, I think the Zoom fatigue is real. So we try to mix it up with some interactive, engaging components. It's interesting how that
0: happens, too, because no matter how interested you are in a subject, it's a long time to sit in front of a screen and just listen to people talk.
1: Absolutely. And, and we're very aware of that. <laughs> so we're always trying to, and especially because we have a global community from around the world, different folks representing different universities, different companies, students from around the world as well, being able to both, you know, have them, them share what's going on in their world because we're always listening right to our community. That's so important to us. we're not just pushing information out. We have a very high level of engagement with our community and that's part of you know, the reason that we have folks all over the world. We want them to tell us what's working well there, what's not working well. We can all learn from each other. And you know, that goes back to the you know, original premise of shaping EDUs. What can we achieve together that we can't achieve separately?
0: I'm hearing you say grow, explore, experiment, and enhance creativity.
1: A hundred percent. Yes.
0: <laughs> what about anybody that would like to know more about this? First of all, is it free and who is eligible to attend?
1: Everything with Shaping EDU is free. The resources we create to share out are free. All of our events are free. We definitely want people to come join us, participate, and let us know what you think. Everyone's voice is heard. Everyone's opinion is valued. And we make sure that there's that back and forth between us, not just us pushing information out. So you can go to Shaping EDU. So that's S-H-A-P-I-N-G edu.asu.edu. And there you'll see all the projects that we're working on, as well as all the events we have coming up, including our space camp on June 21st.
0: shapingedu.asu.edu. What's been one of your absolute favorite experiences so far with preparing space camp for June 21st?
1: Ooh, I think it's just meeting all of the speakers that will be attending. We have, I think, 23 speakers at this point. So, While wrangling them can be a little bit tricky, we (laughs) have definitely had some great conversations and really have an alliance of folks that want to affect meaningful change. And that's truly inspiring to me. So uh, being able to convene all those folks and have them meet with like-minded, passionate people around the world is truly magical.
0: That sounds like the makings of magic right there. Yes.
1: (laughs) June 23rd is over. I'm getting the impression this is just the beginning. Absolutely. This is kind of the middle point of our year. We kick off our year with the Pente Challenge in February, and that is where we have our five calls to action. Those are kind of our rally cries for the community. We have five action teams that support them. Those teams meet once a week, and then we have five projects that they come up with. So at Pente Challenge in February, they pitch their project idea and the five judges then go and allocate seed funding for their projects. So that really is what moves the community forward throughout the year. And that's what they work on throughout the year together. So this is our midpoint. So we're having a check-in with all the teams to find out how their projects are going. But we have some truly amazing projects in the works, including our Data-Driven Futures team, which won the Pente Pitch Challenge. And they are working on a platform to evaluate universities by their social impact, not just the typical standards that we, we see in our U.S. news and world reports and things like that. We, we value them for different reasons, but this also will have a lot of student input as well as how they value their experience and what they're able to, to impact in their own communities after participating in that university's program. I had
0: wondered how anyone listening might be able to support you because this is an amazing organization. They don't necessarily have to be an educator by profession is what I think I've heard.
1: Correct. We have educators, we have education administrators, we have a lot of retired folks. We have a community at ASU called Mirabella, and that's a retirement community specifically for educators and really amazing folks over there participate as well. So Yes, and students, anyone who's just passionate about libraries, museums, education in any way can join us and contribute.
0: Wow. Let's dream. It is now the year 2030. Mm -hmm. We're going to create something that is not only an educational curriculum for Mars, but can reach every student on the planet. What's the first thing we create?
1: I think we create opportunities for them to be creative, and we let them know that. There are endless opportunities to learn in different ways, and none of them are wrong. The human element of education and learning is so important, and we do have a group that's focused on humanizing education, teaching, and learning, and I think that is something we need to continue to stress and to really acknowledge mental health in that process as well. That's really important, but to know that everyone can have their own individual journey, and there's always a way to make that happen. So we're trying to find more ways to make that happen and, and let lifelong learners thrive
0: and, and never stop that. learning. <laughs> I really love that because it seems like a long time ago, school said, okay, 12th grades, college, goodbye, you're gone. Yes. yeah. But the world changes.
1: Yes. And I think it's one of the amazing statistics I heard at the ASUGSV event back in April was that there will be more change to education in the next 7.5 years than there has been in the last 75 years. So wrap your mind around that.
0: (laughs) It could be Um, a little scary, but it's exciting.
1: It is exciting. And it is so important that we stay ahead of the curve. So I think this is a safe space. Shaping UDU is a safe space to share ideas and to really de-silo folks working on different initiatives so we can really band together and move forward quickly because we have to. We have to keep up and keep ahead. What are some of the ways
0: Shaping EDU is working at making sure nobody gets left behind? Let's say an underserved community. How Mm -hmm. do we reach them?
1: So we have a group focused on digital belonging. And that group just launched a project in Florida, a beta test project in Florida for the Bell Glade community. And they, it's a digital navigator program. So this program does outreach to communities that are underserved to connect them to internet access. And then once they have that connection, shows all the opportunities for learning healthcare jobs that come with having that internet access. And I think that's so critical to get everyone on a level playing field in order for everyone to be successful in their own way.
0: What are the plans for the future to expand this beyond Florida?
1: Sure. So we have, at the end of June, we're working with the Digital Equity Institute, and we're having an event for 50 changemakers in Arizona to really create a more robust program like we've created for the the Belgrade community. And then once we have that fine-tuned, we'll scale that regionally, and then we'll scale that nationally. And we're working with our friends at the FCC and the... National Digital Inclusion Alliance to also create opportunities utilizing the tools that they've developed and really get behind the initiatives that are already happening. And again, de-siloing all these folks that are kind of working on similar things, band together and move forward.
0: If everything goes just like you would like it to, when will this be nationwide? When will you have the opportunity to spend?
1: I would love for in a year for us to have a national program in place. So I don't think it can happen fast enough, <laughs> in my opinion, but we want to make sure we're doing it right and doing it well. So we'll make sure that by this time next year, we have a really robust program with more participants and are really making an impact in underserved communities. Shapingedu.asu.edu
0: for anyone who would like to know more about Space Camp or this program or any of the other exciting ones you're doing. Stephanie, if people could only get one thing from you about innovation, creativity, and making a difference, what would you like them to take away from the work you're doing or from Space Camp?
1: Never stop learning. So important. And you can find out more about all the projects we're working on at shapingedu.asu.edu. And we also have a LinkedIn page, ShapingEDU, that features a lot of our blog posts, interesting events, just things that we're sharing with the community that we think are important that are happening in the
0: world. So join us there as well. And I also meant to ask you about your YouTube channel. Then we got talking and I didn't
1: really find that. Yes. Yeah, so you can go to YouTube and just search for Shaping EDU and you'll see lots of content that we've created, especially over the last two years, but since go dating back to 2018 from our original events. So I'd love to see you there too. Stephanie, thank you for your time today.
0: Thank you, Dot. You and I have been listening to Stephanie Parati, Director of Shaping EDU at Arizona State University. And ShapingEDU would like to invite you to their free three-day global virtual summer camp. The theme, once again, is Space Camp. It's going to involve three half-day sessions, June 21st through 23rd. Find out more both about Space Camp and about all their other exciting programs at shapingedu.asu.edu. That is, once again, shapingedu.asu.edu. And find their videos on YouTube by searching for Shaping EDU. And that concludes this edition of Over Coffee. Thank you for listening. Listen to more Over Coffee podcasts at twomavericks.com. That's two, T-W-O, Mavericks, M-A-V-E-R-I-X. And you can contact us at twomavericks at gmail.com. The music you're hearing is royalty-free production music provided by Pond5 at pond5.com. I'm Dot Cannon. Here's wishing you a cappuccino day.